So today we will be continuing our series in Peter, and we will be in 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses, starting at verse 11, and then we'll be going through chapter 3, verse 7. And I'm going to read you the whole scripture, and then we're going to sort of break it down. Peter says, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners in exile to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that even though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether the emperor is the supreme authority or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. For it's God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but don't use your freedom as a cover up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God, honor the emperor. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourself to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those that are harsh. For it's commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, then this is commendable before God. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. When he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he didn't retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over by, without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and you do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and the heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Let's pray. Father, I pray that today your word would be living and active, that it would come alive in these coming moments, and that it would be active and do its work changing our heart 
and helping us to draw near to you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, he starts out by saying, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which weigh against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that although they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. Now we've talked about this a few times. We have to remember who Peter was writing to. Peter was writing to real foreigners and real exiles. These are people that had been pushed out of their country, out of their communities because of their belief in Jesus. And they had been pushed out and living into, in these areas, in these countries, in these places under Roman rule that were very pagan. They were very immoral. They were very hypersexualized. And he's saying... You live in that world, but don't live like them. I think God can speak a little bit of that to us today, living in the world that we live in, that you live in that world, but don't live like them. He's talking about how to live a life that points to Jesus in that kind of a world. So we should probably take notice. He's really talking about evangelism. He's really talking about letting other people know the gospel of Jesus Christ. But he's saying, let your actions speak louder than your words. He he says, because how are pagans gonna be able to glorify God on the day he returns? Because that's the point. That's the point he makes. He says in verse 12, he says that they may see your good deeds and glorify God. God on the day he visits us. How are they gonna come to glorify God? What does it mean for them to glorify God? Well, to glorify God, you have to have faith in him. So how will they give honor to God on the day he returns? The only way for that is to happen that these pagans that they live among know him, that they follow him, that they have become believers in Jesus. He says, live such good lives among them that even though they accuse you of stuff, that they will see your good deeds and when they see that in you, it will point them to Jesus. But how we go about living these good lives, how we do it, what Peter says is maybe a little bit surprising. He starts by saying, submit, this is verse 13, submit yourself for the Lord's sake for every human authority. Submit yourself for God's sake to every human authority. Now, think about what Peter is saying to these people. The way that you live so that the pagans will will see around and see your good deeds and come to glorify God themselves The way that you do that is to submit to everyone. Submit yourselves to everyone that God has put into authority. Who has God placed in authority over you? Congress? Your boss? Your pastor? Donald Trump? Nancy Pelosi? Highway Patrol, City Council, your teachers, the IRS, the mayor, the state. 
how well do you submit yourselves to them? How well do you accept their authority? And I know some of, the, some of them, you know, I, I say their name and you're like, oh, those people. I don't, I don't like them. They don't deserve my submission. How can I accept their authority when they're bad authorities? But look at what Peter goes on to say. Peter says this, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority. Now pause for just a second there. Who is the emperor? Caesar. Who was the nation of Israel's whole problem. And especially the Christians who were now being persecuted because of Caesar. He was one of the biggest reasons that they were displaced and foreigners and exiles to begin with. And Peter says, submit yourself to his authority. Think about the taste that left in their mouth. Think about the way that you would feel. This guy is in charge, and because of that, you don't even live in your own country anymore. You don't even live around your family anymore. And sometimes they're hunting you down and putting you in jail and killing you. And Peter is saying to you, submit to this guy's authority. Ooh. For some of you, that, that's like me saying, submit yourself to Donald Trump as supreme authority. Or for others of you a few years ago, submit yourself to Barack Obama as supreme authority. Or had the scale tipped a little bit different way? A few years ago, submit yourself to Hillary Clinton as supreme authority. One of those probably made you go like, ugh. I don't, th- I don't know that I would want to submit to that person as supreme authority. He goes on to say this in verse 14, or to the, submit yourselves uh, for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority, this is verse 14, or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. Okay, pause again. Think about this for just a second. What kind of experience had Peter had with Roman governors? Hint, we just talked about it about five minutes ago. When it comes to Roman governors, who would be the first person that would come to especially Christians' minds back then and even today? What Roman governor would Peter have had the most experience with? Pontius Pilate. The man who sentenced Jesus to be crucified. And Peter says, submit yourself to the governors whom God has sent to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. What about Jesus? What, Pilate didn't do that. Pilate did the exact opposite of that. He punished the guy who did things right and and let the people off that did things wrong. But Peter is saying, Peter of all people, and that's, another, that's just another evidence that Jesus changes lives, because Peter is saying, submit to the governor, 
And Peter's the same guy who tried to murder a guy and cut off his ear just by some guy coming to arrest Jesus. Now that same guy is saying, submit to the governor's authority. Because why? So that the pagans around you will see your good deeds and glorify Jesus when he returns. Because if you're a Christian back then and you can submit yourself to Pilate, even after what Pilate did, that points to something's changing in your heart. If you're facing all this persecution under Caesar and you're still saying in front of people, yeah, I don't like what he's doing, but he's the, he's the emperor, so... I'll submit. That points to something changing in your heart. You live like that, submitting to people who definitely don't deserve it. I know you don't want to, he's saying, but accept their authority over you anyways because it will point to Jesus. Also, he says something else in that verse that's important. He says, submit yourself to the governor's who are sent by him. Who's him? God. That the governors, that the emperor was sent by God. Romans 13.1 says, everyone must submit to governing authorities for all authority comes from God and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. That everyone who is in a position of authority has been placed there by God. Now, sometimes it's for judgment. You can read all through the Old Testament, God put plenty of people in power so that the nation of Israel could be judged and come back to him. But nonetheless, the Bible says, submit yourselves to them. And in that culture with the Romans... There were plenty of people that wanted to overthrow that authority, who wanted Rome gone. They were immoral people. They were pagan. They shouldn't be in charge. Plenty of Christians had that feeling. One of the disciples, Simon, was a zealot. It was a political party. It was a gang. It was a mob that wanted to overthrow Rome. They went out and killing Romans. Jesus had to change that in him. Even Peter was pretty regularly asking like, okay, Jesus, when are you going to inaugurate your kingdom? Basically, when are are you going to overthrow Rome? Kick them back out. But see the change in Peter. Now Peter's starting to sound a whole lot more like Jesus when Jesus said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Peter says, you have to submit to them. God put them there. And we tend to be the same way. We tend to be kind of like, let's overthrow them. Let's get them out of there. Let's... We live in a cancel culture where you know, we want to cancel everybody's TV show or career or whatever because they say this or that or they said something 20 years ago. We live in an impeachment culture. We've lived in an impeachment culture for 
a while now, and we're right in the middle of an impeachment culture today. We're a country literally founded on overthrowing authority. Christians are known for wanting people gone who do things we don't like. It's kind of what we do. That's kind of what people think of us. But Peter says, be different. Shock the world by submitting to authority. Not only will your lives go better, people will see it and it points them to Jesus. I will make this minor caveat that there are times when it is right to resist authority. When they're telling you to do something against the higher authority of God, then it's okay to resist authority. The entire book of Daniel is about people who said, I'm gonna serve God over what the king says. In fact, Peter in Acts when the elders and the religious leaders call him in and say, you gotta stop preaching this whole Jesus thing, he says, sorry, I can't do that. And they beat him for it. But that's about the only time is, is when the authority in, in government is trying to overthrow the authority of God and say, you have to do this even though it goes against what God says. There's a time and a place for it. And it's built into your connect group questions, so get in a connect group. Uh, there's, they're on the back wall if you don't have one, um, and you can talk all that out. Good conversation. But Peter says, be different. Shock the world by submitting to authority. So he goes on in verse 15. He says, for it's God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but don't use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. And so then Peter gives us some real-world examples how to do that in his time. So first he says, slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourself to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. It goes back to what we said. If they're considerate, if they say nice things and are loving and helpful, then submit yourselves to those people over you. And he says, but if they're harsh and they say mean things and they're unloving, Submit yourselves to the people over you. In verse 19, it says, for it's commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they're conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and then you endure that? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable for God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. We just talked about that and read that as we were taking communion. We talked about that last week, that when you face unjust suffering, you're partnering with Jesus. If you wanna follow Jesus, if you wanna follow in his footsteps, then you're probably gonna have to submit until it hurts and it's probably going to hurt. 
And he says, again, it doesn't count for a whole lot if you're getting beaten for doing the wrong thing. That's kind of on you. But, but going back to communion, uh, I was just amazed at how many horrible things are happening to Jesus and he just took it. He didn't say anything. He didn't do anything. He endured it. Hebrews 12.2, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding his shame. Verse 24, it says, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. When you're submitting When you submit, you're a little bit more like Jesus. And the more you're like Jesus, the more the world sees it, and the more the world sees it, the more that they're appointed to Jesus, that they may come to glorify him. And again, he gives some real world, real life application. Chapter three, verse one, he says, wives in the same way, submit yourself to your own husband, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and the reverence of your lives. Again, he's talking about the way we submit to one another. That when people, even if they're your husband, even if they're your wife, when they see you submitting to them and the purity and reverence of your life, it will speak louder than any sermon. Remember back to the conversation we had with Delbert and Natalie. She said, I'm just gonna submit to him. I'm gonna serve him. And it brought him around. You don't need Billy Graham or Francis Chan or Stephen Furtick or Beth Moore or Joel Osteen to come and preach to your unbelieving spouse or your boss or your kid or whatever. Maybe they just need to see you submitting to them out of love and out of love to the Father. I think of Andy Evans who who comes to this church. His wife was an unbeliever for years and years and years right up until she died and got saved at the end of her life. But he, he talked to his wife a lot, but he finally led her to the Lord by serving her through a lot of hard years. I remember I went to Kroger's one night. It was after a meeting. It was late. And I saw Andy in there, and he was doing the grocery shopping, buying things because his wife couldn't make it out of the house and he looked tired and he looked unshaven and he looked worn down. But he was taking care of his wife. He was submitting to her out of love. He was serving her. And eventually that love won her to Jesus and she glorified Jesus on the day she left this life. He lived and submitted in a pagan culture and Eventually, she was able to bring glory to Jesus on the day that she met him. He says in verse three, he's still talking to the wives, but, I, but there's definitely things we can all learn from this. He says, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles or the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which of 
is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands like Sarah who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and you don't give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner, as the heirs with you of the glorious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Now, I'm gonna speak to all of you, but he has a good bit to say to the ladies. But then he goes on right after that to say, in the same way, husbands. So really, in a way, it's for all of us. Peter says that trying to make yourself more attractive on the outside won't cut it. He said, be gentle, have a quiet spirit, submit to your husband, submit to your wife, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's what Paul says in Ephesians. He says, that's of great worth. But how often do so many Christians go in the other direction? We wanna make ourselves look good because if we think we look good, or if we're popular, or if we're wealthy, or whatever, that people will listen to us more. We do that in church. We do all these things in our churches to make our churches more attractive. So we, we make, you know, we have good decorations, and we make music that's attractive, and we have preaching that's attractive. And we put on expensive jewelry, do fancy hairdos, to look big and shiny. And Peter says, no, just a gentle and quiet spirit, gently, quietly submitting. He says, that's attractive. He said, it's not about what all this looks like. It's not what about all this looks like. It's about what's in here and gently and quietly submitting to each other out of love. In fact, Peter connects all this outward stuff to something else. He connects it to fear. Verse six, he says, you are her daughters, Sarah's daughters, if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Have you ever seen somebody that's just trying a little too hard? That they're decorating this, they're trying a little too hard? And it's like, girl, wow. You're trying too hard. Or like, you know, like, man, yikes. <laughs> I, 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 I get it, but why, yeah, like, why do they do that? They do it out of fear. They're so afraid of not being good enough or pretty enough or worthy enough or likable enough, they go way overboard to prove that it's good enough. Could it be that we're afraid the gospel is not good enough? That Jesus and the gospel and the church, the way God designed it, it isn't enough. And we're afraid it's not enough for the world out there. And so 
we try too hard. So we make the gospel about getting rich and having nice stuff. We make the gospel about, you know, you won't have so much negativity in your life and you'll feel good about yourself. And we spend tons of money to make our churches pretty and comfortable and trendy and looking good and sounding good. Because we're afraid if we're not like all the other churches out there and all the other businesses, then somehow we're not going to be able to communicate the gospel as well. And Peter is saying, look, ladies, don't be so worried about the outside. It's what is in your heart and soul that's attractive. Don't worry about how pretty you make Christianity look or your church look. Worry about what's in here. If you want to make Jesus attractive, you don't have to make your building attractive. Show the world what submission looks like because that's countercultural. And they will see that and they'll glorify the king on the day he returns. Verse seven, he says, husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. Treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Now, I'm not gonna get into the whole weaker partner thing. Not today. We don't have the time for that. But you can talk about that in your connect groups and there's some real good conversation to have around it. I'm just not gonna have that conversation today. We'll have it some other time, but not today. But he is saying, husband, the same goes for you as it does the girls. But here's the interesting thing. He's saying that you still have to give respect to and submit to the weaker one because they're heirs of Christ exactly the same way you are. So before you get all like women's lib on me and like, oh, I'm the weaker partner? Okay. He's saying, no, you, you are an heir of Christ just like your husband is. You're on a same playing field. So again, you can work all that out in your connect group. Have fun. Just, he, he's saying, just because I may be stronger than you in some ways doesn't mean I get to just blow you up and think I'm better and hold that over your head. He says, just because I'm weak in some areas doesn't mean you get to crush me because you're stronger than I am in your way. We are all heirs of Christ. So respect each other, love each other, submit to one another, submit to those you don't like, submit to those who God has placed over you. Because ultimately, to those of us who are seeking to be slaves of Christ, Submission to others, submissions to others in authority is really about submitting to the ultimate authority. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. All of our submission to any authority, to each other, is all really comes down to are we willing to submit to the ultimate authority of Christ? Have you given authority of your life to Jesus? Does he have ultimate say in how you live, what you do, and who you are? 
That's what sanctification is. It's a big Christian word, sanctification. But it really means surrendering authority. And sometimes that's a crisis decision where you go, oh my gosh, I, I, I gotta give authority to Jesus because I, 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 I screw it up all the time. And it's also a process where as you're going through your life, you're like, wow, God, I'm still kind of have authority over that part of my life and you need to have that now. If you haven't given authority of your life over to Jesus, then what has Jesus saved you from? Maybe part of your authority journey needs to be the realization that what we said before, all authority comes from God and those impositions of authority have been placed there by God. Maybe part of your sanctification process, maybe part of your life giving authority to God is learning to go, okay, whoever's in authority has been placed there by God, I'm gonna submit to them. Whose authority have you not been submitting to? And could that be why people don't see a lot of Jesus in you? Because when you submit your will to Jesus, people will notice. When you submit your will to those who God has placed over you because Jesus has authority over you, people will notice. There are some of you who are facing struggles right now because you wanna be in charge. You're facing struggles right now because of your lack of submission to authority. You may even face some tension this week on Thanksgiving Day because you don't wanna submit to someone else's authority. There are some of you here who've taken authority that was not yours to take and it's created problems. There are some of you here today that are not submitting to God's authority in your life and today you need to turn that authority back over to him. There may be some of you here today that if you're really truly honest with God and yourself, you've never given authority over your life to God. And God is calling you today to change. God may be calling you even to come down to the altar and bend a knee to Jesus and say, not my will, but yours be done. Or maybe in your seat today, you might just ask Jesus as we worship, as we pray. You might just try being open to the notion that you have neglected his authority or the authority of those he has placed over you. And that might be why you're struggling to see Jesus right now. And you just ask, Jesus, what do I need to do? Jesus, what, what do I do? What is there from this message that I need to do, do differently so that people will recognize my deeds and bring glory to you, Jesus? Let's pray.